And I'm Karen Wright. It is 934. You're listening to a Minnesota morning here on the Maverick. Let's check out and see how the weather is looking out there. I think it's pretty fall-like. Yep, 50 degrees. Today's high, 61. And there's a few clouds here and there. Maybe a drop of rain or two to the west of us. A tomorrow, beautiful day, sunny and 77. Great for homecoming. Joining me now, our good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lampson. Good morning, Barb. Isn't it a beautiful fall day out there? Oh, Karen, yes. Good morning. And it's a perfect day again. Uh, the And the color is so magnificent. We took a trip over to uh, St. Peter on uh, Highway 22 North to see the bridge and looked at the color there and uh, had supper the other night there. That was very lovely. But any direction you go, living in this valley, we have these magnificent trees and the color. The thing I also noticed is, why is it that when there's a holiday or when you're going to be traveling about gas goes up. Is there I a relationship that. between that? And uh, sometimes <coughs> there is, Barb. Well, I, I was just looking at the Explore Minnesota site talking about the colors. If you want to go find them, it says the recent cool temps have accelerated the fall color development throughout Minnesota. And they say some of the peaks now are up north. It says most parks in northeastern Minnesota are nearing their peak fall color this week with spectacular fall color currently found at the scenic bearhead lake cascade river and jay cook state park so that's good to know and then in northwest minnesota it says the trees and shrubs in most areas in northwest minnesota are either at or approaching their peak fall color with lovely fall color now found at the itasca state park and the detroit lakes vicinity and as we move down towards central minnesota it says most of central minnesota is halfway to its peak fall color and the parks are currently offering offering spectacular displays including Maplewood and Mille Lacs Cathio State Parks as well as the Cuyuna Country State Recreation Area and moving down to the Twin Cities it says the Twin Cities parks remain primarily green you know, mm. but part of that isn't that because, you know, in the cities, the temps are warmer because of all the true, suburban true. and urban air and surroundings and things. Do you know that my Northwoods maples that uh, uh, are about, oh, about 20, 25 years old now, this is the most spectacular color they've ever had. Really? And they're they're getting close to the end. So I don't know. We're, well, on, we're on top of the hill, so yeah. that might make a difference. But the color, it's just absolutely brilliant orange, wonderful color. Well, according to this, as you move to southern Minnesota, it says, while most areas of southern Minnesota remain fairly green, pockets of vibrant fall color can be found at Frontenac State Park. And it says, for amazing color in the native grasses, check out Frontenac, Forestville, Mystery Cave, Miniopa, and Laquiparal State Parks. And speaking of Miniopa, I know that they're having a special opening with the governor today to visit the bison out on the prairie. And, of course, that's got some beautiful color out there. And as you mentioned, there are pockets. In yes, yes, I've, I've seen especially some along the river. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's the time of year that I just love, but we get some of those winds, so you got to look before it blows away sometimes. And you know what I would say? A lot of people get in the car and they drive around, but it's so much better to go where the color is and get out and walk. Oh, Walking and kicking the leaves. I've always enjoyed going out to uh, Williams Nature Center. That is such a little jewel here. And you look out over the ravine. I've got pictures from out there. Well, and it, then you the, it, the great part about walking is the leaves will flutter down on you, and it's like being in this little 
dry rain of leaves, and it's just such a, a delight. Yes, and the thing that's really great about that, um, I don't like blacktop, but they do have a blacktop trail out there. And if you're in a wheelchair or if you have difficulty walking, uh-huh. this is a safe place for you to go. You don't have to go far until you can find just outstanding color and experiences. And for heaven's sakes, um, take a thermos of coffee with or tea. And sit down and enjoy the woods. It's just the quiet and the peace. There's nothing quite like it. Or bring a picnic lunch. This is the time to get out and do that. And get some apples. You know, apples are just bountiful this year, too. And they're so tasty. And and it's so beautiful. Um, Yesterday when we were going over to St. Peter... Or it was in the towards the evening. I saw a man sitting along the river fishing mm-hmm. in his red shirt. You could see yeah. him, you know, from the highway, and the trees were changing. And it was something like a, a courier and Ives photo would be. It was just so idyllic and so beautiful and so perfect. So, if you if you love art, nature is really doing it for us this year. Well, you know, it was so nice this week, Barb. I I uh, skipped out of work. Asked Ellie if I could have Thursday. Was it Thursday or was it? I don't know, one of the days, either Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember now. No, it's it's Wednesday afternoon, and I spent the entire afternoon digging and planting tulips and daffodils because it's a great time of year. The weather is perfect for it, and I know, and I planted 60 bulbs in my sister's yard when I was there last weekend. going to be a big surprise for her in the spring, and it... It's. I know you've been doing the same. Yes, and, and when you say you skipped out of work, you skipped out of one kind of work to go out and do this manual work. I have been working out, going out every morning and staying out for the lion's share of the day because all of a sudden... You, you discover that you have things in your garden that you didn't know you had. You know, I have a lot of clover in my lawn, and I don't mind that. But it has escaped, and it was in my perennial bed up front. <laughs> and I was sitting in there, and I had uh, seven plants of salvia, which I don't like anymore because... They I spread ha- too easy? They spread, and I have allergies, and they're oh, just do. about the stinkiest, worst thing. So here I am. And they had long roots on them. Now, there's many different kinds of salvia, but this was the kind that had come with no intention of ever leaving. (laughs) It would be there for future generations. It was so uh, big and and, and had such deep roots on it. And then... um, also, I've, I accidentally dug up a few tulips that I had in before, and I was surprised to see some of these prized tulips, how year after year they've gotten smaller. The bulbs, yes. yes. I yes. have noticed that, too, because when I was planting tulips, I, I was thinking, now I know there was some around here somewhere, but I'm not quite sure. So I went and dug in, and I dug up a bunch of bulbs and, of course, wrecked some of them. But you're right. You know, normally you, you get them at the store, and they're nice big golf ball size. Right. But after time, like you said, they, they come up and they're smaller, and some of them are like the size of a, a marble. Or, you know, or they, even smaller, yes. Yeah, and, and they don't throw true. decent flowers because there's right. no energy to make anything. And you know, the other thing I had to uh, handle this year was I dug up uh, some um, uh, lilies, and this particular one was called lollipop. It's just a beautiful thing. It has... Uh, 
a white with a kind of a cherry red edging on it, but it was so prolific. It too had outgrown the space that it was in, and I was surprised to see the different sizes of uh, bulbs that I had there. So the the best ones I took, the bigger ones, which are going to, I'm sure, have enough energy to give me flowers next year, and I replanted them. And some that are really, really small, uh, I don't have enough room to just put a nursery row in, you know, where you just plant things and wait for it to develop. So it just goes in the compost pile. I plopped them around different places. I didn't really care. I'm like, oh, this will be a surprise. I'll plop these in. And I put a little bone meal down with them because that's, in fact, I put bone meal with all of my bulbs because they say that's really good to keep them get a little extra Yes, yes. So the, 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 if you're doing, uh, Asiatic lilies or even day lilies, uh, any kind of a thing that you're uh, going to transplant is going to be much better off. But remember that uh, this... Uh, you don't want to plant your bulbs right on top of a bed of bone meal. You, you want to mix it into the soil. Uh-oh. Yes, right. <laughs> well, right. am I going to kill everything? <laughs> because I just sprinkled it and I put them on top, Barb. Oh, and then, then you work the soil Did I ruin everything? That. No, you didn't ruin everything, but this it's not a good idea. <laughs> oh, Let me just put it to you like that. Okay, if you want to learn from mistakes, just listen to me. Well, okay, so this is my next... But it's not going to hurt anything. Well, some things are more sensitive, and (sighs) if it had been... Rather than if it's an organic bone meal, that's that's really good. Yes, but if it it's, is. It, so, and we're talking not so much bone meal, but we're talking uh, 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 potash here. So, if it was organic, you're better off. But work it into the soil. Don't. It doesn't want to be sitting on top of that. I figured the more the better. <laughs> and then where I had my lollipop lilies. Uh, all of a sudden, I didn't have any landscaping lighting anymore, a whole string. And I said to my husband, I think that's so strange with, that all the bulbs burnt out at the same time. It must be the wind or something like that. And so he goes out to explore and uh, come to find out, he said, have you been digging up there? And I said, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, well, I think so. <laughs> Where was it? And he said, well, there's a big black spot with nothing growing there. Oh, I said, that's definitely me. I couldn't blame that on the squirrels. And he said, well, the wire is cut. So now, isn't that strange that I didn't realize that I was digging up a wire for these landscape lights? I mean, but it, these bulbs were so hard to get out. They were just like embedded. You know, now, were, Is it because you had compaction of soil? Uh, I had some problems. I noticed really bad compaction of soil in different areas, which I'm having to deal with now that I'm well, that and the fact that these bulbs hadn't been separated for a number of years, and they really made one big mass. So it was like trying to unearth a, a rock or something in this big mass. But anyway, so be careful. Um, if you've got landscape lights, you know, you bury the uh, electrical cord for that, and you don't see it, and that's black, and there you are, you're working, and you're prying with your spading fork, trying to get these things out, and it is easy to break something. So uh, a person does make mistakes and do goofy things sometimes, especially in the fall when you've got so much work to do. It just seems like uh, you never get it done. The other thing I was going to remind people, it has been so dry for the last two weeks, 
when you're digging in the soil, you soon find out that the soil is very dry. So if you're transplanting anything, if it's a bulb or if it was a a perennial, be sure and water thoroughly and then continue to water. You know, all of these spring bulbs, they make roots. And so they need to develop those roots now before the ground freezes up. So do that and then uh, be sure and protect them from the rabbits or the squirrels and uh, other things that might get in there and start digging. Now, I was reading that if you're going to transplant anything, a lot of things, uh, it's a good time now for a lot of them be- this time of year because it, they'll get at least a some start versus in the spring if you transplant them, then they've kind of got to start over. And don't they say if it's going to, if it blossoms in the in spring, the spring transplant in the fall. Right. And, in, and if it blossoms in the fall, transplant, transplant in the spring. spring. So, so you wouldn't be digging out your mums now and transplanting them uh, because they're in full bloom now, and they'll do better if you do that in the spring. And then, like with something with mums, be sure you know what you're doing. So you don't transplant this the whole plant. You take off the little plants on the edge of that and those are the ones that are going to be the most hardy then so so don't forget about that and then i also dug up sedge sedge is a is a grass it has a thick leaf on it i think you've got some of that in your well it's volunteer i never planted it now so i assume it's weeds okay well i've got some that is uh, it's green and white and uh, it loves it where I planted it, which was in the full sun. And so to slow it down, I'm putting it in a deep, shady area. And as vigorous as that is, I think it'll ser- serve a good purpose there. I think it'll it'll be great. It'll be good in the shady area. But that, too, I've watered it down really well, and I've divided up these clumps. And, of course, if you've got something that you think is a weed or it's weedy in your garden, you know, get rid of it. And, and don't put it in your compost pile or you'll it, it'll re- seed everywhere. Yes, yes, especially um, when I'm digging things out, like these, uh, uh, the salvia that I dug out, they went into the compost pile. They'll be okay because uh, that, that wall break down. Seeds, that's quite a different thing. Now, Another thing I, I just wanted to mention very quickly, uh, I, I raised leeks this year. My husband started them from seed, and we dug them out this last week. Now, you can't, leeks are like a green onion, so you're right. not going to put them in a warm place. They have to be in a cool place. So refrigerate them? <clears throat> or yes, you do, okay. unless you have some kind of a, another way of cooling things. But the leeks need, when they come out of the ground, they need to be washed off. So bring them home, wash them off, uh, and then you trim the tops. And a lot of times you'll see them for sale and the top is trimmed into, now these are the greens on top. You're not going into the part that you're going to be cooking. You're just these greens, and you put that into a wedge. It, it, it just looks nice like that. And then, now, the, there are uh, roots on these leeks and and they're in the little hairs at the bottom yeah and they're not so little on some of them they're maybe about oh about two inches you can cut some of those off but don't cut into the leek itself you can trim those hairs because you'll find that even though you wash them dirt does cling Mm -hmm. to them and then if you have uh, an extra refrigerator and you can get them into a crisper then do that and And how long will they last well, now, I this is a hard thing to predict, but we plant these 
leeks because we take them with on Thanksgiving to my brother's place in okay. Springfield, Missouri. And our daughter comes and she makes this wonderful French cassoulet, which requires leeks. And these organic leeks are just wonderful. And, and they're great. Then before you use them, you trim off those root hairs. Mm-hmm. And then if you go up into the green part, they're white, and then they go into the green. And you can tell how much of that you can use because it, it, it gets uh, kind of woody and mm. tough up in there, so don't use that part. But they, with my experience, keeping them through Thanksgiving has been easy to do because we have this extra refrigerator. All right. And then uh, that kind of where we continue to weed the garden. Uh, weeds are still growing. It's hard to believe. And as many weeds as we've taken out, there's still weeds in and, there. And some of the, the flowers that kind of had died back during the summer because of the heat are now coming back because they like the cool weather again. So some yes. of my plants that were I thought they were kind of done with and over are actually looking good again. You know, I have a, a fussy um, geranium that has not done really uh, it's grown but it's it's not done a lot of blooming now i took a picture of it i'm so proud of it it has come to life and also some of these new petunias the the colors i've got a red and a cream that's so dynamic that thing has it has and it's a proven winners too it has grown but it hasn't really been dynamic now, all of a sudden, it's just shooting. It's got new growth on yes. it. It's just filled with bloom. And I'm thinking, wow. It's the temperature or something about the, the conditions that have to be just right. Right. And we have shorter days now. So uh, maybe they didn't like all that bright sunlight mm-hmm. that we had before. So this is really good. And we've had humidity, too, which has been really, really good. So uh, don't pull these things out. Maybe they're going, maybe we just had the wrong weather before and now it's good, which is really, really nice. So uh, my daughter sent me something uh, that I was quite interested in, and it's a way to propagate roses. And in Georgia... Now, th- propagate roses, so... How yeah. do you do that? Because, I mean, I always just buy them in, in the gallon or whatever containers and right. put them in the ground. That's I, what you, everybody does. I have does. to say, I, I've never propagated a rose, but uh, it's interesting because uh, one of her friends lives in Puerto Rico, and they use this method all the time. So here goes. You start out with a uh, a rose bush that you've got. Any kind? A, I mean, a floribunda, a yes, key rose? Yes, Any kind. Any kind. Okay. But except a kind that there's a patent on. If they're patented, you cannot propagate. Well, you can. Well, but it's you illegal. shouldn't. <laughs> right, right. So we'll tell you the right way what so, you can do. So don't do. break any laws, please. No, please don't do that. But you you take a, a cutting eight to nine inches. So from the, where? From the from bottom. The stem. Or from the stem. It doesn't matter. Eight to nine inches of new growth. Okay. A new growth. Okay. Yeah. So so not an old woody stick. No. So you. Get it right off from, go to the end of the branch and then cut off eight to nine inches. And uh, and you cut it at a 45 degree angle. And then you dip this stem in cinnamon. Okay. Cinnamon? Just yes. Like dry cinnamon? Yes, dry okay. cinnamon because this is an antibacterial, ah. uh, which will keep uh, this uh, uh, new uh, plant healthy. And so then you take a potato. You cut the potato in half, and if there are any eyes on it, now that doesn't, I'm talking about the things that are growing out. You know how you get these little eyes growing out above the skin of the potato? Right. 
Okay, so if, if there are any eyes on your potato, break them off, okay? Now, does it matter if they're the seed potatoes or the no. baking potatoes no. or they cook it? So any potato, right. old, any, ugly, yeah, new? Yeah, okay. yeah, you don't have any other use for it. It's okay. gotten started to shrivel up. Go ahead. And then you use uh, uh, something to make uh, a hole in it. So they suggested you could use a drill. Okay. I'm not so sure that you would need to do that, but you could certainly use a, Pencil, a combination probably. peeler core. On my uh, potato peeler, there's a core on the end, and you just go in and make a hole in that and insert that rose into that hole. That you've cut off at the 45-degree angle. Uh, you um, no, you've cut the yeah, you've cut the stem out right. of forty five degree, right. and it goes into this potato, and so you you've got the uh, flesh side down, and you're cutting, putting it into the uh, part of the potato that's still got the peel on. Oh, okay. Because you cut it in two, sure. you know. So and you need this to stabilize it. That's why you would so do it doesn't that. roll over, right? right. Okay. And then you can plant it directly into the soil. But what they're saying, you put the Potato in the soil? Yep, the potato huh. with your stem in it. Okay. Goes into the soil, goes into a shady area out of the Shade. Direct. Wow. Yes, yes. And then you water it. Uh, oh, you plant it uh, four to six inches deep, and uh, then you put a mayonnaise jar over it. Okay. Because like a glass? They're all plastic yeah. nowadays, it seems like. Well, it so doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't so, matter. Okay. No. So it could be um, it just as mayonnaise. Some jar. Yeah. It, because what that does is it keeps humidity in there. Ah. And the more humidity there is, uh, the faster those roots will develop. And you know yourself, you take cuttings and you have those cuttings by your kitchen sink or you're running water in that. There's more humidity there. And they also root faster. And then... Uh, you continue to water that when it's outside. Now, the other thing is, if for us in Minnesota, if we wanted to do this, we could also take some cuttings right now, follow the same procedure, but we would plant the cutting in this potato in very light soil in a pot. In a pot. In and the, keep it in the house. Right? Well, you know, because in the house in the winter, it gets pretty dry. So very, that would be dry. one of the issues you might have to you, contend with. Right. And, you, and here again... If you had uh, a mayonnaise jar or some kind of a plastic mm -hmm. jar or glass jar, uh, you would you would hold the uh, moisture in there. You would have that humidity in there, so that would help develop these roots. And then after it develops roots, if you're doing this outside, they say it takes about two months. You take the the whole. You just you're all said you can transplant it then to some place. So so in the meantime, you're watering it on a regular yes, basis. You are, and but you're not keeping it soggy. That's oh. the main thing. Okay. And the thing about the potato, besides being a stabilizer mm -hmm. for holding this cutting, it also provides the fertilizer that the rose will need to get its start. And you know, potatoes are full of potassium. Sure. And we've talked a long time about roses, how our uh, bananas, how they have potassium. Right. And when you plant a rose, you should add bananas or banana peels right. in there for the potassium. So... I don't know. Try it. We'd like to hear from people if they try it, if it works. If it doesn't work, well, nothing you know, ventured, nothing gained. I think growing it inside might be a little harder, though, because, you know, like I said, you know, it, it, and you mentioned the light. It doesn't need a lot of light, but eventually you're going to need some when it starts to get roots. Now, when you stuck this, the rose in the potato, was it didn't go all the way through the potato, did it? No, no, because it, it's, uh, it's in that hole that you okay. made. 
They also said how deep is the hole in the potato box? Uh, you could uh, doesn't it say? I'm just okay. Just so it stands up, basically. Okay, it must be. It doesn't tell me. Oh, okay. oh yes, no. Hmm. It just tells us to plant the potato with the rose four inches into the ground four or into, into the a ground. pot. Okay. It doesn't tell us, but you would have to have that, uh, depending on the size of the cutting you've got, sure. uh, so that it would be stable. So, and it depends on the size of your potato too. I wouldn't think you would need anything that uh, a big potato for this. I think some of those smaller ones, yeah. especially if you're digging potatoes, and you think, wow, this would be difficult to be peeling all these little egg-shaped things. You know, I guess I'll. I've got a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So try it. Um, I, I'm excited to try this too, but I think I will wait until next summer because uh, nature is best. Yeah. We have the rain and then we have the air circulation and all those things are good for anything. So the main thing now is to uh, save some jars so you're ready with this with this project. Do, come do next you know spring. anybody who's actually done this? Um, this um, <clears throat> friend of my daughter's they have done they so do they've the, done a lot of them yes and they do this in puerto rico she said that that's huh. one of the ways that they propagate roses now of course puerto rico is a lot different temperature than right. us and you'd want to get this started early enough in the spring um after the frost and that so that you could get it growing and developing good roots before winter but what i was thinking was those wonderful little miniature roses i'll bet you they would be a lot easier oh, yeah. to propagate as long as it you know they're woody but they but they would develop roots faster because the stem is smaller on them so so think about that uh, you can find more information about this online and let us know if you tried this and if you liked it or if you would never do it again we don't know uh, yeah i'm just curious too because you know <coughs> i've got those knockout roses and you know, to buy them new, it's kind of spendy. But my other question is, if you do start these, Barb, how long does it take before you get a, a plant of substantial size that you're actually going to get a bunch of flowers? See, that's the other thing. Do, uh, do you want to be a nursery for a while? Because it, it yeah. must take more than just a season to get a whole bunch of flowers, wouldn't you think? Well, you know, I don't know. And I suppose it depends on the type of rose that you have as well. But I would say this. Um, I had a knockout rose that propagated itself from seeds. You know, we get the, the rose hips, and it must have just dropped. The hip must have dropped in the right place. And I, I suppose it took, uh, from the time I noticed the plant, right. it probably took another... Uh, three seasons maybe so, so it's it's a patient have patience yeah and, and that would have been something that was happening naturally and if uh, I, uh, conditions hadn't have been ideal it wouldn't have it wouldn't have taken root in the first place it wouldn't have you know so uh, I don't know I it'll be interesting to see I would like to try those little miniature roses I think that that might be a good deal and I love those little miniature roses, but uh, some winters they don't make it over for me. So if you were starting some, you know, you you buy one, and and if you can, if if they're not, uh, uh, if they're, you're not forbidden to to propagate because like that, because they say it's patented. Right. Yes, then you could have some on reserve. You know, you'd have them growing in your garden, and and so one dies maybe the next one makes it you know uh, and, and then a new project for us to try barb and you know we love starting new projects sometimes they they're successful sometimes they yes. fail but yes. that's the nature of being a gardener yes and now you know i've got my um uh, uh, 
sweet potatoes still growing out in the garden in the potato towers. And I've got to dig them yet. So hopefully, uh, I'm trying to wait till the very last minute with them. So hopefully next week we can talk about that. And we'll see if that was a success or a failure. But it is fun to look forward to those things that you're trying for the first time. Very good. Barb, always great to chat with you. We'll be back again next week, Gardening with Barb. Thanks.